Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue. Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast. I'm Prue Warren, and I just want to say, the beautiful voice that introduces us is actually the husband of one lucky expert writer, my co-host. I'm Meredith Bond, and yes, indeed, that voice is my husband. (laughs) Boy, if he said things like, I'm not taking the garbage out now, hey, you don't have to, ever, ever, darling. (laughs) That's a great voice. He's got a fantastic voice, and uh, he does a very good English accent because he grew up in India, and so he's got that fantastic Indian English accent that he can put on. (laughs) Tell you. But I can tell you, if he says, darling, I'm not taking out the trash tonight, then I'll say, dearest, yes, you are. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you've gotten you've become you've become uh inured to it you've become desensitized to how gorgeous that voice is meredith 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 today we're talking about dialogue but before we talk about dialogue we got a question someone Yay! asked us a question. i'm Yay! very proud i'm very proud we had to name check her to force her to ask a question but my friend Glory Medina, who herself is an author, has asked us if we can tell her about independent authors, how we handle taxes on our books. And uh, I think I have an answer, and you have to correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. All right. All right. Here's what I think the answer is. Every time I posted my book to a platform, to a selling, to Amazon, to Apple, to Kobo, to the 10 platforms which I have posted my book to, on the advice of Meredith, on the advice of counsel, I had to give them my social security and all kinds of tax information so that they could report my earnings to the IRS. And then I'm assuming that once a year they do that, and then I probably get a copy of that, don't I? Yes. So when you fill in your tax, that tax questionnaire at every platform, as you say, you're filling out a W-9. Wait, 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 wait. Stop and go back because you you locked up. Every time you fill out your tax information. Every time you fill out your tax information, you are filling in a W-9. Yes, that's right. I remember them saying this is your W. That's right. Yes. Yes. And um, if you have, if you're an American citizen, you have a social security number. Um, if you are uh, a sole proprietor of your business or you own your business, you're an LLC, you have an EIN, which works just as well. Um, I have both. I have my EIN, which I can upload if I feel like, or I have my social security number, which I can upload if I feel like it. It's they're interchangeable. I, I actually don't. I didn't. I'm a sole proprietor, and I don't have an EIN. 
when I was a fundraiser, but now I'm going purely on social. You don't even need an EIN. Right. An employee identification number. You can do it all by social security number. Yes, you can. It's just a matter of of how comfortable you are giving away that information. If you're in, um, if you're part of an anthology and you fill in a W-9 for the person organizing the anthology, maybe you don't want to give that individual your social security number. (laughs) That's why I got it. I am. But yes, when you earn money at a retailer, an online retailer once a year at this time of year, specifically by the end of January, um, they have to send you a 1099 MISC, which tells you how much money you they paid you mm-hmm. for the previous year. Okay. All right. And then it's up to me to add that to my tax return and pay the government the taxes that I owe the government. Well, but it's not so I have to keep track of every book sold. The, the selling platforms keep track of it for me and then I cough up the cash. Exactly. Um, but importantly, you should not be paying it that in April. You should be paying it quarterly. If I pay quarterly and they only send me an annual 9 MISC, Am I what? How am I calculating this? By by money in? Yes, the first year is really hard because you have to take a wild guess as to how much money you're going to earn. The (laughs) second year, you go based on how much money you earned the previous year. And if you didn't earn any money, um, then I would still put in yeah. something just in yeah. case. Yeah, then you're, yeah, you're counting with, yeah, with, it, with you. Yeah. Okay. She also asked how to find an accountant. And the easiest way to find an accountant is to speak to other authors who live in your state and find out who they use. Okay, so your assumption is that I can't use the regular accountant I've been using all along? No, you can. But they also have to know how royalties work. And I think maybe not all accountants do. Okay. Okay. All right. And you say I need to pay quarterly because the government regards me as a business, even if I'm the sole proprietorship, and therefore they insist I pay quarterly. Yes. There's more going on here than I knew, Meredith. Gloria and I are both uh, aware now of how much we don't know. (laughs) Hey, Gloria, we're going to (laughs) consult. Okay. All right. That's enough of a start. That's as much as I can handle right now. But it's possible that we should probably talk about this again. You were right before we got on the blog podcast. You said maybe we should do an episode on this. And I said, nobody wants to hear an episode about taxes. It's so true. Nobody likes talking about taxes. And I'm not an expert. But (gasps) maybe expert on to talk about taxes. Oh, there's an we idea. We need someone frivolous or something. Yeah, we need to find. If your husband would talk about taxes, I would listen. Uh, <laughs> um, he would be going. He knows about a little bit more about taxes than I do. Just not just what? a little bit, but not a lot. <laughs> He's got a great voice, though. So. Okay, let's uh, let's table that for now because my head is spinning and let's move on to dialogue which is so much easier than taxes (laughs) tell me what i need to know about writing dialogue okay let me preface what i have to say with 
the fact that I taught writing for many years. <laughs> All right. And so what I did was I did I did two things. Um, I happened to see that there was a blog post about dialogue this past week at uh, the Live Write Thrive website, livewritethrive.com. Uh, which is the website of C.S. Lakin, who is a book coach editor. And she has a fantastic blog that is filled with amazing information. Um, I, I am subscribed to her blog. And so this past week, actually, she talked about using dialogue in scenes to reveal character, which was oh. really good. And I have put the link to that in the show notes. Sweet. I will call, check it out myself. Yeah. Now, that being said, I also pulled up my old class notes. <laughs> Good. So I have a list of seven things that dialogue is a is can be used for. I love seven things to use dialogue. That's good. Okay, I'm writing it down. Number one. Good. Okay. Number one to advance the plot. Okay, that's kind of the obvious one, right? People talk, things happen. Um, you can also, as Lakin pointed out in her article, use dialogue to develop character, right? Um, and does, this, does this mean um, the words they choose to say? I mean, I talk like a thug, I talk like a beautiful uh, English educated Indian master of the voice yes it can show who your what your social economic socioeconomic status is it can show yes. where you're yep. from it can show how interested you are in the conversation it can show uh what sort of person you are how well educated you are it can show so many different things about you how we speak. Now that's, that's reminded me of an interesting thing. When, when the sensitivity reader went through dash and the moon glow mystic, uh, I had, I had at one point had a character slip into a Southern accent hmm. and she strongly advised against it. Hmm. She said, I could say that she slipped into a Southern accent, but never write dialect in the dialogue. And you're nodding. You agree with that. I agree with it to a point. I think a slight dialect written in dialogue is helpful to the reader because then they can hear that in, in their head as they're reading. Mm -hmm. But you don't want to get too far into that because then it'll be unreadable. And it gets annoying after a while, to be frank. Okay, well, obviously uh, my sensitivity reader was helping me with diverse characters. But I'm thinking of, for me, what is not particularly diverse in my background is Scotland, is Scottish. And if I have a character, I don't, but if I did have a character who said, Oh, I, lassie, right. we're, off, we're off to the barn dance. I mean, it, it, there are, there's a lot of Scottish dialect, specifically because Scottish is such a, a, a subgenre. Mm -hmm that apparently you can write quite a lot of it and people don't get tired of it. Hmm. 
I don't, I, I don't have a point. I just get your thoughts. Yeah, I I advise against not having too much of it, but if you're going to have it, be consistent. Okay. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And, and do you put the, the use of, of dialects in underdeveloped character? Is that where you would say this helps to develop the character? Lassie? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. In the fashion. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Okay. Then I interrupted you. I think we're up to number three. Number three uh, shows conflict. Dialogue shows conflict. I think that's, that's pretty straightforward. Do you, um, have, you see that as being different from advanced plot? Um, yes. yes. I, I see it as being different. Advancing I the plot. I do. I've just thought about it. Yeah. Cause that's the relationship you're building between whoever is speaking. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Okay. It also, dialogue is also really good at imparting information succinctly. Yes. Well, and also imparting information in a way that's not an info dump. Yes, exactly. On the other hand, on the flip side of that is uh, the warning not to do what's called, as you know, Bob. (laughs) It's the Bob that makes that funny. You know, the as you know. It's the Bob. <laughs> As you know, Bob. Uh, <laughs> so you have, you know, a woman saying, "As you know, Bob, we were divorced twelve years ago, and when that happened, you got the control of the children." It's like you, do, you, Bob doesn't. You don't need to tell Bob that because he lived it, right? <laughs> but. You, as the author, are having your characters say that so that your char- so that your reader knows. But we don't do that, right? Right. right. So, as Bob, that's you know, it's going to stick in my brain now, <laughs> simply because of how beautifully that phrase. That's a handle. That's a handle that you can put on an issue and know that you're doing an as you know, Bob. Gorgeous. I'm okay. And you know who came up with that phrase? Who? Angela James. Did she really? The yes. amazing James. The amazing my, Angela James, your my. editor. <laughs> As you know, Bob. As you know, Angela. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Number five, uh, huh? dialogue can set the mood for the scene. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, now uh, that's interesting because... You're exactly, I'm sorry, we haven't even gotten to the full seven and already my brain is sort of (laughs) hanging around like pinball. Develop character, show conflict, set the mood. This is a little microcosm of the entire romance genre or or any literary genre. Anything, yes, absolutely. And after I get through the the seven quickly, um, I'm going to just give you the one nugget that I took out of the article, the blog post that I read, which I think just sums everything up. Okay. So number gorgeous. Six, I am not going to interrupt. Sorry. So number six is to make the reader a part of the action. Okay. Dialogue brings the I'm reader. Nodding. I'm not yeah. saying I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. uh, number eight, uh, number seven, duh. Number seven is to determine it. Dialogue determines the pacing of your story. So the more um, dialogue tags, 
the more description between dialogue um, determines how fast the pacing of your story goes. Pace varies, though, throughout a book, doesn't it? Absolutely, it should. Okay, okay. Yes. Okay. I think make reader a part of the action is is the whole show don't tell. I mean, you're not... Precisely. And the, that is the... Of, as you know, Bob. Right, exactly. So actually, the quote that I loved from this article is okay. dialogue is action. It is show don't tell. <gasps> oh, my God. So you just hit the nail right on the head there, Prue. I love hitting nails on heads. I love it. Yes. It is show don't tell. I'm writing it down. Yes. Dialogue is show don't tell. Dialogue is action. Yeah. As long as you're not, as you know, bobbing. Exactly. Then you are pulling the reader into the story through the dialogue. Yes. Okay. That is, you know, it's funny because when I'm, when I pick up a book, I, if, if I ever get to go to a bookstore again, <laughs> which I, I don't know, it's going to be a while before I get vaccinated. Um, when I pick up a book and leaf through it, I make a determination about the story that has nothing to do with the plot. It's simply visual. It's how densely is this book written? Oh. Is this a textbook or is this something that's going to be slippery? Right. And the presence of dialogue makes a book visually appealing to me as a reader. It doesn't have to be all dialogue, but it cannot be, you know, six chunky blocks of copy per page. If I'm reading um, David Foster Wallace, who did Infinite Jest, and his, it's like paragraphs that go on for pages. Mm. I know I'm in, I, I have to sit down with that and make time. Mm-hmm. If I pick up a romance novel, that has description as well as plenty of dialogue interspersed. I know that's slippery. I know Mm -hmm. that is something that I'm going to slide into easily. It's not going to take huge psychic energy. So this concept of making the reader a part of the action, that really does begin visually with the presence of dialogue on the page. Yes, I completely agree. I am a huge fan of paragraphs. <laughs> okay, I'm waiting for the follow up of that statement. Short paragraphs make your eyes slide down a page. Mm-hmm. Dialogue, every line is a new paragraph. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. And actually, I can I can build on that because in my previous incarnation, when I was a direct mail fundraising copywriter, uh. I was trained and found it accurate to violate the law that said a paragraph has to be more than one word. (laughs) Because if I wrote a paragraph that was one word and gave it space, suddenly the reader is not as intimidated. The reader gets drawn in. It's much more slippery. And I think there are now there are two, maybe why I like romance writing as much as I liked writing fundraising is because once you know the rules of English grammar, you are invited to break them. You can have sentences that are not complete. You can have paragraphs that are one word. You can create something that is appealing visually as well as intellectual. Absolutely. So I love, I'm a fan of paragraphs too. Yes. <laughs> the other really important thing that we have to talk about when we talk about dialogue are the tags. 
That Sorry. is the he said, she said, she oh, shouted, oh. he tittered, whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in dialogue tags, so there are two types. There are dialogue tags, which is the he said, she said. Yeah. Um, and then there are action tags, which are a separate sentence next to the dialogue that gives some physical movement to go along with your Mm-hmm. that's uh the body language do you, okay okay here's my example you're an idiot comma she laughed as opposed to you're an idiot period she laughed i mean one of them is a dialogue tag and one of them is an action tag yes simply the presence of <laughs> the comma or the period i read Stephen King's on writing many, many years ago. And one of the things he advises is that you skip saying she laughed. You always say she said. Mm -hmm. She, she tittered. She coughed. She yawned. If you're saying something, then just say she said. And I, I've always found that a challenge in my own writing. Do you hold that to be true? I generally do. I mean, if I I do put in sound clues, you know, sound tags, so she whispered um, mm-hmm. or she yelled, I'll put in that. Okay. Because the the how loud it is can be very important. The volume. Right. Exactly. Thank you. I I don't remember if it was Stephen King or somebody else said, don't put in any dialogue tags at all. Only, only put in action tags. If you need a tag, put in an action tag. Oh, that's interesting. Well, it wasn't Stephen King because I know he said his his preferred method was she said, but that's interesting. Can you write that way? You Have can. You I, I personally, I don't, but I actually, I noticed one of my, my clients who is a fantastic writer, um, Susan Carlyle, she writes that way. She writes contemporary romance and she she does not put in any she says. She doesn't have any dialogue tags. She has dialogue, action, action, dialogue, dialogue, action. It's all action tags. Now that you've given me this concept of a dialogue tag being different from an action tag, I'm going to be more aware of this in my own writing. Mm-hmm. Huh. And of course, leaving off the dialogue tag also saves you from writing too many, from putting in too many adverbs. Because usually you don't say just, she said, you will say, she said angrily. Whimsically, right, right. Right? Okay, but okay, well, why is that bad? Why would it be bad to have that adverb? Because then you're telling. You're not allowing the dialogue to show. You are telling the reader how she said it. And sometimes that works and sometimes it, it's good, but sometimes you are undercutting your own dialogue. So uh, the sometimes gives me hope. Right. There are instances where I, where just like people get into trouble when they're on social media because you can't read facial expression. You can't read um, intention or tonality when it's mm-hmm. simply the words Mm-hmm. There are times when you're writing where you have to say, she said archly, she said whimsically, she right. said sarcastically. So that 
so that the reader knows how that was said. Yes, it is true. <laughs> On the other hand, right. sometimes you want your dialogue to be able to, most of the time you want your dialogue to be able to stand on its own. Uh, is, would you, I'm trying to think of a rule. You know, you can have two adjectives, a pa- two adverbs a page. You can have right. two adverbs a conversation. Is there a general rule of thumb? Obviously, rules are made to be broken. How do I know when I've used too many adverbs? My editor will tell me. Your editor will tell you. Uh, the Hemingway app will tell you. <laughs> the Hemingway app. What's the Hemingway app? Oh, the Hemingway app is an is an app. It's a, a like a program that you can buy and download to your computer, and it highlights in green all of your adverbs. <laughs> wow. Yes. And if your page is green, you have too many adverbs. <laughs> That's interesting. And does it, can I also make it do it for adjectives? Can I make it do it for now? Na- I mean, no, it, it, it's, it's not adverbs. It's adverbs because adverbs are traditionally overused. I have I'm some fascinated. fun. I have some fun examples. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so an example of a conversation filled with emotion where the gestures get distracting. Okay. Ready? Okay. Why would she do that to me? George scowled in disgust and threw down his newspaper. She was sick, George, said Bertha, placing her hands on his shoulders. So there's a dialogue tag. The first Mm -hmm. one was an action tag. I did everything Mm -hmm. for her. George sat at the table and buried his head in his hands. Everything. It's not your fault. She sat down next to him. George looked up to the ceiling and cried out, why God, why would you hand me the love of my life and then take her away like this? Okay, so every sentence, every bit of dialogue has an action tag or a dialogue tag associated with it. But it's strong enough dialogue that you don't need. Right, oh. I don't know. I sort of feel like I got to, I didn't object to it. It didn't make me, I didn't. Then what would you let me read out? it out loud again without okay. so many. Okay. Okay. Why would she do that to me? George threw down his newspaper. She was sick, George, said Bertha. I did everything for her. Everything. It's not your fault. Why, God, George cried out. Why would you hand me the love of my life and take her away like this? It flows better without quite so many action or dialogue tags. You're quite right. You're quite right. You're right. You're right. I guess the challenge is that as a writer, I see the choreography of a scene so clearly in my mind, and I want the reader to see it also. Absolutely. But I need to have some restraint. Yes. Yeah, the theater of the mind is far more vivid than any writing could be. So if I... Craft strong dialogue, I will allow people to... To create their own movie. To create their own movie. In their head. Um, And along with that, you also have to be sure that you don't repeat what is in your dialogue tags or your action tags in your dialogue. So, an example. Susan picked up the knife. 
What are you doing with that knife? Said George. Please put it down. I don't want to have to hurt you. She lunged at George. He grabbed her arm, but tried not to hurt her. Stop it, Susan. I don't want to hurt you. George is a very patient man. (laughs) Don't be lunging at me with any knife. I will hurt you. Right. But the author tells us this in the dialogue and action tags. So he, she doesn't need to tell us in the dialogue. Right. <laughs> or right. vice versa. Just tell us once. Read, read it, read it again with, uh, with read it again, but take out the, the duplicates. Sure. Can you? Yeah. Susan picked up the knife. What are you doing? Asked George. Please put that down. I don't want to have to hurt you. Susan lunged at George. He grabbed her arm. Stop it, Susan. I don't want to hurt you. Good. Good. You're right. It's much better. It's much, it's tighter. It's tighter. And not quite so ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. Okay. In the effort to apply rules to the situation, I think probably it's not a matter of, of rules. I think it's a matter of ear. You have to hear which way it sounds better. Yes, you do. Um, And uh, so that's why when writing dialogue, it's especially important to read it out loud. Ah, there you go. When I, this is, that's sort of interesting. When I'm reading any book, if there's no one around me, when I come to what I know is an important scene, I do start reading aloud. I don't want to go so quickly in my reading that I miss the, that I, you know, that I gobble my food. Mm-hmm. And I do read out loud. And I'm just thinking of how often I skip the tags entirely when I'm reading out loud. Ah. I, I think reading out loud is a really powerful tool. And I hadn't thought of that, Mary. I hadn't thought of just how impactful it would be, yeah, to read out loud. That's, mm-hmm. my, that's my biggest takeaway. You've given me really good background on the, the seven ways dialogue helps and the concept of the Hemingway app, which I'm now very intrigued by. <laughs> but my biggest takeaway is you have to read it out loud and read every word written. Don't unconsciously edit out the things you wouldn't, you don't want. Exactly. Exactly. That is true. And finally, uh, finally, the, Last point I want to make is cursing. (laughs) What the fuck? All right. Exactly. Exactly. Go ahead. (laughs) Cursing, when written, is more powerful than when it is just verbal, than when we just hear it. When we're, you know, like you just said, oh, gee, what the fuck? Right. Right? So when it's written, quote, Prudence threw her head back, quote, what the fuck, period, end quote. When we see that written, it is much more powerful than that brief exclamation that you made. Okay, so I know that profanity is not wrong in dialogue, but what you're telling me is to just be aware that it's more powerful in the written word. Precisely. So when you have a character who curses a lot, (laughs) uh, first of all, that is a sign of, that shows what sort of person that is. 
Yes, without a doubt. Right. So that is that shows their character, their their personality. So that's really important. Um, but also keep in mind that it's going to be much more powerful when it's on the written page. Okay. And so um, if you have a character who never curses, even I when see. given the opportunity to do so, or in a place where a person would normally curse, that's also a very important thing. That's a tool. Yes. Are there, I, 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 this is a question you're not going to be able to answer off the top of your head. Is there anything else that's similar to cursing that has that same power to define a character? Don't uh, answer now. Think later. Um, wait, but I have an example. <laughs> okay. Wait, where is it? Oh, that was another thing that's fun to, to talk about. Uh, sorry. Um, another example is in... Where is it? Oh, here it is. Okay. Uh, in PC Cast's House of Night series, which is a really fun YA fantasy series. I love it. I've read it. Yeah. The protagonist, Zoe, drinks brown pop. She doesn't drink Coke. She doesn't drink Pepsi. She doesn't drink soda. She drinks brown pop. Yep. Yep. Okay. She also never curses, except when she's really, really mad or really upset. So when she pulls out her curses, her friends know that something's wrong. Hmm. That's nice. What we're going to need is the Hemingway app for cursing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? What was the name of that Andrew Dice Clay who used to curse all the time? We need the Andrew Dice Clay app. <laughs> Um, what I was reminded oh. of when I went looking okay, for that for that quote was one quick last yep. thing, um, also dealing yep. with choice of words, is if you write fantasy or science fiction using words that are not actually in the English language for something that actually is in the English language. Oh, I see. I see. He calls them. Uh, uh, so there's a, an author named James Blish who wrote about schmirps okay schmirps are small furry white animals with long floppy ears and four of four legs that go hop hoppity 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 oh those are schmirps okay okay we have a word in our english language called and we call these animals rabbits or bunnies, yes. Or bunnies. So we've actually got two words. You could even extend it to three if you want to call it a hair. <laughs> Good point. Okay. We've got a word for this. So if you are writing fantasy or science fiction and you call this thing that we normally call a rabbit a schmirp, what makes it a schmirp and not a rabbit? Only the fact that it wants to take over the world, the universe. If it <laughs> wants to enslave all people and beings in the universe and become the supreme ruler of this universe, then you can call it a schmear. Otherwise, please call it a rabbit. Oh, I okay. love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Next week, 
Uh, I think, are we talking characters and transformation next week? Because we have, in two weeks, we've got working with an editor. Right. So is that right? Characters and transformation? Characters and transformation, it is. Characters and transformation. Okay. All right. Uh, Glory, thank you for your question. You win the re- the Listener of the Year Award, which <laughs> consists of our gratitude. Others are welcome to ask questions and perhaps suggest half-hour-long topics on taxation, which will require <laughs> nudity of some kind to get us all through it. At least a um, lot of wine. At least a lot of wine. See, uh, it's five o'clock where I am. It's nearly six. <laughs> it's still morning for you. <laughs> I can have my wine. <laughs> I don't want wine. I just want a milkshake and I can have that at noon. We're okay. Um, readers can leave their comments at the writers block party podcast.com. Yes. And you can rate our, our podcast on anywhere you got it from. And we would be grateful to you. Absolutely. And uh, share and share and share the word with all your writer friends. Exactly. Glory. I also, I have to admit my ignorance and stupidity here. Which is? That seems unlikely. No, it's it's more common than I like to admit. Um, <laughs> I realized this past week that I could put show notes in our description instead of simply on our website, thewritersblockparty.com. The Writer's Block Party Podcast.com, I beg your pardon, Um, which is where we've been putting all of our show notes before. I realized that I can put the full description and show notes together into that one space. So now, listeners, if you are looking for our show notes, look no further than the description of our the this week's podcast if you want to send us questions however you do need to either email us directly at prue at pruewarren.com prue at pruewarren.com right or mary at meredithbond.com you can feel free to email us directly and you're when mary it's not m-a-r-y no it's m-e-r-r-y Mary, as in Merry Christmas. As in Merry Christmas or as in Um, (laughs) Or go to the website, thewritersblockpartypodcast.com, and there you can leave us a comment or a question um, either on each individual post for that that episode or just generally. But we'll love you, and we will love you as we love Glory. And we will love you, and we will shout out your name. If Live, <laughs> just as we have with Glories. So Glory will know it too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there are many ways for you to reach us. Lucky, lucky you. Please talk to us. But we talk to ourselves all the time. Yeah. <laughs> At least we have. All right, Meredith. Next week, characters and transformation is going to be rocking. Yes, ma'am. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That's it for the Writer's Block Party this week. We don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week we'll be here before you know it, so check out the website at thewritersblockparty.com.
thepartypodcast.com. One word. That's where you can find our archive of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with Mary and Prue or ask questions for the next podcast. Write with joy, friends, and see you next week. Thank <laughs> you.